Well, y'all, let me just say that we just closed up a series that I believe every Christian American should hear. How many of you were here for the Under God series? So if you are not here, if you're just now joining us or if you're visiting with us this morning, I just want to encourage you. That is, we did a message series called Under God and the whole series was around the pledge. So it was one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. That was the four messages. And so if you would like to go back and watch those, you can watch those on YouTube channel. You can watch those on our app or on our website. I believe that you will receive something great from that if you want to go back and watch it. Today's message is going to be a little bit different. So most of you, how many of you have heard me preach before? So if you've heard, yeah, some of, a few of you. If you've heard me preach before, then you know that I love to preach in series. That's, that's, I, in fact, I almost never preach a message that's not in a series. Why? Some of you ask that question. Why do you always preach in a series? And here's why. Because I love to start somewhere and build on that and build on that. And build on that. I like to like under God, that whole piece. It was building until we got to the end. So I like to take a topic like uh, uh, my big fat mouth that we did. And I like to build on that topic and try to end it where we learn and we learn and we grow and we grow. And at the end of it, we have a big celebration, a big uh, push on how do we how do we apply all of these messages to our lives? And so that's why I like to preach in series. Now, I said all that to say the next few messages are not going to be series. There are things that I've just been having on my heart that I feel like I need to share with you. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited. As we were closing up the Under God series, Jordan and I, Pastor Jordan and I, are, we write all of the messages for Sunday morning. So whether I'm preaching it or whether he's preaching it, we tag team and, and putting the, the content down for what's going to be preaching. So he comes to me as we were closing up last week. And actually, it was on Saturday. He comes up to me and he says, well, you know, tomorrow's the last week of the series. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know. And he was like, well, do you have something that's just in your heart, like a, a word or a theme that God has given you that you just feel like that you need to preach over. And I said, Jordan, this, this has just been eating me up. And, and what I want to preach to you about today is revival. It's been eating me up. And I know that term gets brought up a lot in church. We pray for revival. We prophesy revival's coming. It's like that it's going to start in the youth and they go to camp and then you come back and you're like, revival's going to sweep throughout the church. And so we're like, revival, 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 especially with us being Pentecostal people. Pentecostal people talk a lot about revival. Amen? We love revival. We pray for revival. And when I look at what's taking place around the world, when I look at the fact that Christian people have been so quiet for so long, and instead of the church infiltrating the culture, the culture has infiltrated the church. When I look at where the G Jesus Christ church is, I would say that there is a massive need for revival to take place in the church of Jesus. On the bright side, I would also like to say that I believe that I see with my eyes, spiritually and physically, revival that's already starting to take place in the church. And that is the church around the world. I don't know if you guys are keeping up with what's going on in a lot, of the the, a lot of the cities where they had a lot of rioting. There's churches that are stepping up and revival's taking place in a lot of those churches. But also here in our Clawson family, I see revival taking place in you guys constantly. So let's talk about this. The, the title to the message is A Need for Revival. What is revival? If you're taking notes, write this down. Revival is an act or instance of reviving the state of being revived. That helped us none. So let's try another one. A new presentation or publication of something old. Okay, so that helped me a little bit. 
a new presentation or publication of something old. So if somebody is revived, if something is revived, then they were alive and then they died and then they came back to life. Okay? You can't just be dead and come back to life. That's just coming to life. Revived is when you were alive and you die and you come back to life. They are brought back to life. When, when the, the ambulances come and they start doing CPR on people and they come back to life, they call that being revived. That's what revival is. Now, I, I think sometimes the church gets a little bit confused because a lot of times you'll hear people say things like, man, we had like 50 people saved at our church in the last, uh, you know, in the last six months and God is just bringing revival. Listen, having 50 people saved is awesome. But having 50 people saved is not actually revival. People getting saved is evangelism. That's the first part of what we're supposed to be doing. People getting saved is one of the biggest things that we're supposed to do as Christ believers, as as his followers. But that's not revival. So what is revival? Evangelism is a sinner coming to know God. Revival is somebody that knows God, that has died inside, that has fell apart, that has fallen into sin, that has done stupid things, that has walked away from God. It's them getting revived and becoming alive again. And I believe that the church across the United States needs some revival. Revival is the saints of God, the Christians, the followers of Christ, allowing God to rekindle our fire, to pour on some gas and relight the zeal and the passion that we probably had at one time for Jesus Christ. I believe that so many Christians are celebrating what God did years and years and years ago. And what we need to do is allow God to do something new today. We can't hold on what to what he did. We have to move into what he wants to do now. So let me ask you this question. I'm preaching to the church today. I'm preaching to the saints today. Here's my question. How long has it been since you, the saints of God, walked down the aisles with tears in your eyes, streaming down your face, And instead of allowing everybody else to pass you, going up to receive a move of God, you stepped out of your seat and you came down and said, God, I want more than what I have right now. Or God, I have fallen away and I want to be revived. When's the last time that you came down and repented of your sins or you came down and raised your hands or fell at the altar? Or when's the last time that you listened to the Holy Spirit as he spoke convictions into your heart and into your mind and you put new things on your conviction list? When's the last time that you gave up something to get closer to him? That, my friends, is revival. Now, I made the statement that I believe there's a serious need for revival in the church. I want to show you why I believe that. I think that you can, you can look at a church or you can look at a person or you can look inside yourself and you can evaluate by looking inside yourself if you have some kind of need to be revived by God. Amen? For example, in the Under God series, I preached a message called Under God and we talked about are we more under culture, more influenced by culture, or are we more influenced and under God? And so in that, in that whole message, I made you evaluate yourself. 
You got to look at yourself. Am I more influenced by culture? Am I more influenced by God? So in this message, I'm asking you, would you evaluate yourself? Could you benefit from you stepping out and coming down to the altar and allowing God to rock your world like he's done before? I would say for me, the answer is most certainly yes. But that is what revival is. So how can we tell looking at ourselves, looking at a church, looking at our church, how can we tell if we need revival? I have several things that I want to share with you. Some of them are fun. Some of them hurt. Here we go. Number one, when we have full seats and empty altars, then the church needs some revival. Y'all, we usually have full seats, but today I think everybody's watching from home. So I'm going to talk to you guys online too. Uh, when we have full seats and empty altars, when the majority of the people in the church are spectators and the minority of the people in the church are worshipers, that's probably an indicator that we need some revival in ourselves. Man, you guys are quiet today. Am I preaching to the people online? Understand this, y'all. When a soul is saved, when a person gives their life to Jesus and they get rocked by Jesus for their first time, or when a soul gets revived and they have personal revival that takes place and God does something new inside of them, what happens is because of what's going on in the inside of them, something happens on the outside of them. Now, you may not worship like I worship. I'm kind of crazy. You may not want to raise your hands or dance around or you may not want to grab these flags and start. I, I tried that one time. It's bad. It's not for everybody. But here's what I know. I know that when there's something going on inside of us, that God is doing something new or he's doing something real inside of us. Something is going on on the outside of us. And I could say the same is true when nothing is going on on the inside. And typically nothing is going on on the outside. And so when the seats are full and the altars are empty, it's a pretty big indicator that there's not a lot going on on the outside and that we need some revival. Number two, y'all are quiet, so I'm going to speed through this. When guests compliment and saints complain, oh, really, did he go there? We need revival. Now, I realize I'm not talking to my church, but there are other churches that are going to watch this, that they need to hear this. And so when people visiting are coming into the church and they're pumped and they're like, man, this place feels like family. How can a big church like this feel like family? And man, those guys are worshiping off the chain. I want to go down to the front. And they're, you know, getting a little boogie. Dang, what's going on in this place? And they're beginning to feel the Holy Spirit and they don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. And they're just excited about everything that's going on when that's taking place with guests. And then our saints are sitting back going, God, does he really have to be that loud? Can they turn the dead gum music down? Was it loud this way? Was it loud that way? Oh my gosh, it's freezing in here. Can somebody turn the heater on? When guests are coming in and they are complimenting and they are receiving all that God is doing and the saints are sitting around belly aching. That's a good one. We need revival, y'all. In Acts chapter six, I want you to, 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 to bear with me. Because a lot of this has been going on. In Acts chapter 6, not the murmuring, that hadn't been going on, but uh, a lot of the growing. In Acts chapter 6, the Bible says that, that the, the church began to multiply. 
And the church began to multiply because of all the great things that God was doing in the church. People were getting saved and the church began to multiply. And the Bible says that the people of God began to grumble and murmur. So you know what that makes me know? Listen, y'all, our church has been multiplying. We had the most first time visitors for two weeks in a row that we've had since our bicycle giveaway last month. The most, actually, is this November? This month. The most visitors, the first time visitors, two weeks in a row that we've had. What is that saying? That is saying that people are receiving things from God. People are coming in and they are hungry. And the Bible says that when the church in Acts chapter 6 begin to grow, that people in the church begin to complain. So what are you saying? I'm saying, listen, people of God, saints, listen to me, hear my heart. There is going to be a temptation when God is doing great things in the church. There's going to be a temptation for you instead of receiving what God is doing and thanking him for what God is doing for you to begin to bellyache. And when you find yourself doing that, you need to understand, I need to allow him to move in me again. Next one. When we have more to shout about and we do it less, then we have a need for revival. Y'all, I don't know about you. Some of us are driving better vehicles than we've ever drove in our lives. We are living in better homes than we've ever lived in. We're making more money than we've ever made in our lives. We are more blessed. Some of us are paying off debt on the Dave Ramsey plan. Thank you. I'm getting there. I'm working on it. It's a struggle. We're more blessed than we've ever been in our entire lives. And how come so many times the more blessed that we get, the quieter that we get with praising our God? He does more and more and more for me. He blesses me with more and more things and the stinking things get my attention instead of him. When we have more to shout about and thank God for and we do it less, and we need to allow him to move in us. The next one, when we are playing multiple choice with church services. Ooh. Now I realize this is a little bit of a struggle right now because COVID-19 is going on, and there's a lot of people that are not coming to church. If you're watching online, I'm not talking to you because you're in church today. If you're not watching online, it could possibly be talking to you. Uh, and so when you're playing multiple choice with church services, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean, if you're blaming not going to church on COVID and yet you're going everywhere else with your kids. Oh. Did he say that? Why did he say that? You know why I said that? Because you're teaching your children that everything else is more important than church. If they can go to their track meet, and they can go to the skate ranch, those ain't the places that they need to be. They need to be in church. And if they can go those places and COVID ain't getting them at those places, COVID probably ain't gonna get them at church. And if your kids come up to you on Sunday mornings and say, mom, dad, are we going to church today? That's probably a dead giveaway that you are not half as faithful as what you should be to his house. What does that mean? That means we need revival. Amen. Amen. Last one. When we have less joy for the things of God than we used to, then maybe we should allow him to do something new. 
You know, this is so sad to say, but you can typically tell people that have been in church a long time from people that just got saved. Oh, this is going to hurt y'all because I've been in church a long time. You know how you can typically tell that? How much joy and excitement they have or the lack thereof. So if you have somebody that runs down to the altar during worship time and they're like, you know, they're getting all stirred up and they're lifting their hands and they're doing that. Uh, I don't know a song and the song didn't come to me. Come on, Lord, you could have helped me out. And so they're, they're getting all pumped and they're out of breath from the worship service. And they're, they're, you know, they're sitting on the edge of their chair while the pastor's preaching and they're just taking the notes and they're getting all excited. Typically, those people have just recently got saved. Or those people are allowing God to stir new things inside of them. And then when you have someone that has like negative three on their joy indicator, that's typically a sign that them people have been in church for a long time. Is that true? It's typically true. Why? Because we get comfortable in church when we've been going to church for a long time. And it's so easy to just do the same thing and come and sit in the same place and never go down and allow God to do something new. Not even that you have to go down. Just never allow him to do something new in you. And you come to church and you go home and you come to church and you go home and you come to church and you go home and you never actually receive anything from God. What am I saying? I'm saying if I'm talking to you and I'm not casting stones. But if I'm talking to you, why be that way? Why not allow him to do something new in you? So there's a few ways that you can look at a church, look at a person and realize we need some more of Jesus in us. And I would go ahead and probably throw out there that all of us need some more of Jesus in us. So now that I've given you the intro, we've defined revival and I've shown you how you can know if you need some revival. Now I'm ready to preach to you guys. You ready? All right. So number one in your notes, we serve a God of revival. I want you to write that down and I want you to, I want you to just receive that in your spirit. Because I think that so many people, you hear that, maybe you write that down, but you don't get that here. We serve a God of revival. The scripture that I always go back to when I think of God reviving his people is James chapter four and verse eight. Listen to me. When we recognize that we've gotten away from God, that we've turned to sin, that we've let God down, James chapter four and verse eight tells us exactly what to do. Some of you know it. It says this, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Stay with this. Wash your hands, you sinners. Just kidding. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Listen, stay with this because this is so good. Because so many times we go, yes, just draw close to God, draw close to God, draw close to God, draw close to God. But there's a whole lot more in that scripture. It says draw close to God and then don't just draw close to him, but start to fix the things that got you away from him in the first place. Draw close to God and then purify your hearts and wash your hands, you sinners. The next verse says there should be tears for what you've done. 
What is it saying? It's saying you pour out your heart to him. You come to him and confess your sins to him and you turn away from that junk. And when you do that, he will revive you. Amen. When Israel got away from God, this is what he told them in 2 Chronicles, probably one of the most quoted scriptures in history. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. It says, and if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. What is he saying? Here's what he's saying. If you will turn back to me, I will restore you and I will revive you. Last week, we sang this song, God of Revival. We're gonna sing it at the end of service this morning. But here's what it says. The darkest night. Y'all want me to sing? You can light it up. Okay, we're gonna stop. You can light it up, oh God of Revival. What is he saying? Here's what, get, get this. It's so good. Christians, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to the sinners today. I'm talking to the Christians. When you are having your darkest night, when you come to the realization that I am a Christian and I love Jesus, but I have been stupid, but I have sinned, but I have fallen, but I have failed God. When you come to that darkest night of your life, you need to realize that we serve a God of revival. What does that mean? That means he wants you to come back and he wants you to get exactly where you started and he wants to grow you and he wants to light you back up. That's so good. I think Satan's favorite thing to do is get in the minds, in the brains, in the hearts of the saints of God. What does he like to do? He likes to worm his way into our thoughts. He gets us to fall into temptation to do something stupid. He gets us into this lukewarm mindset that we're okay, even though we haven't done anything for the Lord. And then he makes us feel like there's no more hope because we failed God. Anybody ever been there? There's no more hope. I failed God. I fell back into sin. I got lukewarm. I got cold. I now no longer deserve Jesus' love. I no longer deserve to be in his presence, to carry his name, a place in his body to lead his flock. Listen to me, you don't deserve it. But the beautiful thing is we didn't even deserve to get saved. The Bible says that while we were sinners, that he came and he died to save us and, 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 and we don't deserve anything that he's done. He loved us so much. And listen to me, if Satan has been toying with your mind, then you need to know it doesn't matter what you've done. He still loves you so much Amen. that he wants to revive you and bring you back to where you need to be. <clears throat> Number two. Number one, God is a God of revival. Number two, oftentimes we aren't waiting on God. He is waiting on us. Yo, I'm kind of out of breath. I didn't run this week. In the book of Jeremiah, God uses Jeremiah to relay a message to the people of Israel. If you read it all about Israel, man, that is a stupid group of people. 
I mean, they're, they're humans, right? That's what we do. And so what does Israel do? They, they go to God, they repent, and they fall away, and they do something stupid. They start worshiping these false gods, and then they go to God, and he restores them, and he revives them, and then, and then they fall away, and then they go to God, and then they fall away, and then they go to God. That's literally the whole entire Old Testament. They go to God, they fall away. They go to God, they fall away. The beautiful thing, though, is that we see how much of a God of revival he is in what happens with Israel. So in Jeremiah... This is a time where Israel had fallen away and you can see God's heart and what he writes through Jeremiah, the message that he gives to Israel. And I want you to hear him this morning because this is his heart, not only for Israel, but this is his heart for his people. And so if you're with me in Jeremiah chapter three, Israel had fallen away. Jeremiah comes to give them this message. Chapter three, verses 12 through 15. It says, therefore, go and give this message to Israel. This is what the Lord says. O Israel, my faithless people. Lord, tell us how you really feel. Come home to me again. For I am merciful and I will not be angry with you forever. Now listen to this next part. Only acknowledge your guilt. Admit that you rebelled against the Lord, your God, and committed adultery against him by worshiping idols under every green tree. Confess that you refuse to listen to my voice. I, the Lord, have spoken. Return home, you wayward children, says the Lord, for I am your master and I will bring you back to the land of Israel from one one from this town and two from that family from wherever you are scattered. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will guide you with knowledge and understanding. You can hear his heart. What is he saying? He's saying, I want you to come back to me so bad. And you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. Come home, come home, come home. This is what I'll do for you if you will just come home. But then he says, you need to confess your sins. You need to acknowledge your guilt. You need to just admit that you turned away and you committed adultery on me. And if you will do that, I will restore and I will revive you. What a message. I want to share maybe the most powerful quote on revival that I've ever heard. It was by Leonard Ravenhill. Here's the quote. The only reason that we don't have revival is because we are willing to live without it. Man, what are you saying? I'm saying I'm not waiting on God to move. God's waiting on me to move. We serve a God of revival that is literally waiting on us and he wants to bless us. He wants to revive us. He wants to pour out his spirit on us. He wants to just overwhelm us with his spirit, his spirit and his presence, but he's waiting on you. Number three, revival of our city, state, and nation starts within us. Now I said this a little bit as we were worshiping in Joshua chapter three, the people of Israel, it was a good time for them. They were following the Lord. Not for very long, but they were following the Lord. Joshua chapter three, this is right after Moses was no longer leading Israel. Joshua just came in to lead Israel. And in chapter three, they, were, they needed God 
to do a miraculous work. They were standing at the Jordan River. The Jordan River was overflowing and they needed to get on that side of the Jordan River. And so they're, they're, they're looking to God to do a miraculous work. And God begins to speak to them and he begins to give them some direction with the priests and what they need to do. And then in chapter three, in verse five, Joshua says this. It says, then Joshua told the people, listen to this, purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Purify yourselves if you want to see a great work of the Lord. The Lord said in the Bible, before Israel could see amazing things, they first had to purify themselves. One version says, consecrate themselves. And that night, that's what they did. And then the next morning, God comes to Joshua and he says to him, today, I'm going to prove to the people of Israel that you are the man that I put in this place. And so he tells him, I want the priest to go out. And as they step into the water, I want you to watch me move. And so in, in chapter three, verses 15 and 16, it says it was, it was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began to go back a great distance all the way to a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on down to the Dead Sea. So as the priests stepped into the water, after the people purified themselves and they needed God to have an impossible, an impossible situation as, as they followed his direction and they stepped out into the water, the Bible says that the water began to go that way all the way to the town of Adam and the rest of the water flowed into the Dead Sea and now the rest of this was dry land for them to walk across. Wow. So what can we learn here? Here's the lesson. If we want to see revival in our land, in our city, in our state, in our nation, it starts right here with me. It starts with me purifying and consecrating myself, allowing God to move in me. Amen. One of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard was by Jordan. It's not a Jordan quote, but it was by Jordan. So I had to call him and get the quote. And here's the quote. It's so good. It's by Gypsy Smith. It says, you want to see revival? Go home, lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the middle of the floor and with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself. There on your knees, pray fervently and brokenly that God would start a revival within that chalk. What a powerful thought. As I'm getting ready to close, I'd like to invite our worship team to come and join me up on the stage. Can I be open with you this morning? I pretty much always am. Listen, I've been a Christian now for about 15 years and I have been a pastor now for about 14 years. And in the last, oh, 15 years, there have been so many times where I have made huge mistakes. Y'all don't want to hear that? <laughs> I have sinned greatly. I have allowed myself to get into a, for lack of a better word, a lukewarm state, even preaching in the church. And in doing so, I've allowed myself to feel like a failure 
Someone that, that, that really shouldn't and can't be used by God. And I'm sure that everyone in this room can probably say that you've went through some junk and you've had some circumstances that got you in the same place. And here's what I want you to know. As your pastor, I'm just being real with you this morning. Here's what I want you to know. Every single time, so many times, we can get in those places and not even recognize that we're in that place. I didn't want to be there. I was preaching. Oh, I love the Lord with all my heart, but I, I found myself in this place where I'm down, where I've done something stupid, where I feel like that God shouldn't even love me and I should resign being a pastor. And when I got to that place and I recognized I'm in that place, I have two choices. Number one, I can do just that. I can resign. I can move on. I can do the easy road. I'm ashamed. I've, I've shamed God and I've shamed the church. I've been there. I felt like that. Or number two, I can do exactly what God told Israel to do and I can go before him and I can repent and I can admit my guilt that I was stupid, that I sinned, that I got lukewarm, that I stopped being hungry for the things of God and I can let him do something new in me. I can't tell you how many times that that's happened as a Christian. I can tell you though, the more that I go to him and I acknowledge my guilt and I confess myself, the more that he stirs inside of me. And honestly, the more powerful I become for him. What does that mean? I mean, I just do it weekly now. Why? Because I'm, I'm going to do something stupid. So weekly, what do I do? I rekindle my fire every single week. Let me show you something. Y'all getting scared. I see it in your faces. One match. Lit can burn and it's cool. I love fire, y'all. It's a, it's a bad thing. <laughs> and when one thing gets lit, it can burn. And it really, sometimes it doesn't burn very long. And it, it doesn't really get that big, but it is very, very cool, right? Yeah. A match being lit. But a match that is lit and then thrown into and allow other people to get lit up with it. There's 200 matches there. I don't know how long that's going to go. We'll see. So a match that is lit and then thrown in. One person can get on fire for Jesus and they can do something. But when a group of people get on fire for Jesus, it just goes crazy and it just keeps moving and it just keeps moving. And then when somebody else gets on fire for Jesus and then they light up a whole new group of people on fire for Jesus. Amen. Oh, come on. This is going to be fun then that fire can just spread and it can just spread and it can just spread and it can just keep moving. I was hoping that was going to be cool. It was pretty cool. <laughs> what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, look, that fire's still going. That's only 150 matches. There's more of us in this room. So if we will allow God to light inside of us a reviving fire and allow him to do something new, there's no telling what God's going to do in our families. There's no telling what God's going to do in this church. There's no telling what God's going to do in Lufkin, Texas. There's no telling what he's going to do in our state. Listen, there is no telling what God can do if we will allow him to light us on fire. Would you stand with me this morning?
every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask our altar team to step out and come join me up here. It's a, it's a fire lit service. What's it called? Campfire. Campfire service. Listen, can I be honest with you? I believe that there's some people in this room that that message was speaking to. I believe there's people in here that maybe you need some time alone with Jesus. I believe that there's people in here that you need to come. You need to acknowledge your guilt. You need to confess. Maybe not even sin. Maybe just that you have not been doing what God wants you to do. And you need to allow him light that fire back up in you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to sing this song, God of Revival. The darkest night, you can light it up. But he can only light it up if we make that move for him to light it up. And so if you're in here this morning and you need prayer, then our altar team would love to pray for you. If you're in here this morning and you just want to have a personal revival with God, where you come down to an altar or to the stairs and you allow him to do something new in you, whatever that looks like, you can go in the corner in the room, you can come down and lift your hands, whatever that looks like for you, however you may be reconnected with him the first time. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. God, I pray that you would start a revival in me. In me, I want more of you. I want to do what you've called me to do. I want to allow you to do what you want to do. Help me to not stop you from doing what you want. God, revive me today. Bless me. Pour yourself on me today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. As they begin to sing this song, and you want to come and you want to spend some time with the Lord. I left a lot of time for us to spend some time with the Lord this morning. And if you want to come down and you want to spend some time with the Lord right now, would you step out and would you come?